Pickaxe. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. I didn't say thank you to you. I like thanks and goodbye. I didn't do an out. I'll just, I'll, I'll just record one now. Thanks, guys. Great to see you. Oh, that sounded really sarcastic. <laughs> thanks. Bye. <laughs> Good evening and welcome to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're a video game radio show and this is One Life Left in lockdown, which means Simon and I are not in the same room. But we're getting good at this now, aren't we, Simon? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. <laughs> uh, better. Uh, imply, uh, yeah, you can get better while still being bad, can't you? Uh, but it does feel, it feels smoother. That is the benefit of starting from a, a low point. I should say my name is Steve Curran. Hello, I'm Simon Byron. Um, and yeah, it is when I've left lockdown, but I, you know, I'm kicking myself now for not embracing the, the, the time when we were actually out of lockdown, weren't we? We were able to go about our business and go to pubs. But now this is the first weekend back in the UK's national lockdown or England's national lockdown, I should say. Mm, have you been outside? I was uh, forced by my wife this morning to say, look, you haven't left the house all weekend. I think it would be good for your <laughs> mental health. <laughs> I'm struggling to sleep at the moment as well. So I, so yeah, so today we went out and, uh, had a, uh, a walk in the countryside, which was, which was very nice. What about you? Uh, I went for a walk on Friday, um, an exercise walk for my mental health, just, uh, walked around London, walked up to the South bank and, uh, around a bit. And I can confirm everything is exactly the same as it was before lockdown. Right. It's a, which yeah. is, it was not the case in the first lockdown. The first lockdown, it was a proper ghost city. And it was uh, it was kind of weird and magical to walk around. A very 28 days later vibe. But this time, everything is open and everyone is behaving as normal. So, Does that mean that we're not going to have a Christmas? I thought that was the whole point <laughs> of doing this, Steve. Well, we'll see, won't we? Um, I, I've noticed the cases have been seem, according to Reddit, 
uh, seem to be plateauing a little at the moment. So there is there's hope that the government will be able to gift us Christmas. Uh, Thanks, Chris Whitty. <laughs> hey, I, um, Rob. I, so it's funny actually because I've not I've not thought about that uh, for a while. What with everything that's been going on, mm. the good the good news that we got from America. Um, I can say that on the on Resonance FM and on the podcast because I I doubt that the uh, Trump administration listens to the show. <laughs> it is why I've never tweeted anything bad about them just because of, they scroll through it when you go to remember. Do you remember when we used to go to America? But um, yeah, so I've been obsessed with that for the last uh, few days, obviously like everyone else. But mm-hmm. today I realised again you're talking about uh, sort of how we're feeling. Um, it's just in a moment of madness. I've just d- deleted Twitter from my phone. Have you? It's gone. I just, I honestly, every, I was thinking about this. I, I, it was one of, the, it was like when I decided to go and smoke, and I just, I just went like that and uh, did it and stuck with it. And I'm not saying that I'm coming off Twitter, but what I'm gonna, what I've done is taken it off my phone so that I'm just not using every spare thirty seconds to scroll through the timeline mm. and. Um, you know, you wake up in the morning, particularly on, on uh, when there's a lot going on at the moment. You go, you've got 600 unread tweets. You're, oh God, <laughs> get through, get through all of this, and none of it was giving me any enjoyment apart from the actual result. Um, That's interesting because people are saying right now that people are joy scrolling for the first time in a while. That actually they're getting happiness from social. Maybe media. I just don't like joy. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Is also because four years ago, uh, after the election. I quit social media for a few months because I just couldn't deal with uh, the result and everything that was going on. And this time I haven't done that, partly, mostly because I've been enjoying the garden centre stuff so much. Um, how <laughs> yeah, did I'm not, you... Well, I'm not saying that I'm going to miss that entirely. It was just, I've just taken it off my phone, so I'll still yeah. read it on a desktop. How did, you, how did you deal with Tuesday night? What was your election process? Oh, so it was... Um, yeah, I decided that it wasn't worth staying up till, but I woke up, at, I mean, I'm waking up really early at the morning anyway, and I'm struggling to get back to sleep. So I was up, I had the, I had the earpiece in my, in my ear mm-hmm. uh, next to my sleeping wife uh, from about half past four. And yeah, it was horrific. Yeah. Horrific. Florida, I WhatsApped my mum, who lives in Florida, and just said <laughs> FFS, although I spelt it out. Mm. Um, yeah, and so um, and then that that was it. Wasn't just keeping an eye and thinking. Well, and I was also looking at the betting odds because mm-hmm. um, the saying goes that the bookies never get it wrong. They did, um, mm. or they certainly were getting it wrong on Tuesday morning. Uh, Trump was favourite to be next president, but who's to say that he won't be? You know, who's who's to say what's going to happen actually? But hopefully, the um, momentum is behind him conceding at some point. I went to bed at half past four. So actually, One Life Left had oh, the whole right, exactly. of the election night covered. <laughs> it was CNN. Uh, which is great. Woke up at half past five, just anxious, uh, and stayed up for the rest of the night. And then slowly things started to get better throughout Wednesday, like had quite an anxious morning and, and things started to turn around. So it's been a, a sleepless week, but I have found time to play video games. Good, because uh, that's what we're here for, Steve, isn't it? it is. We are a video game radio show, and for the next uh, 50 minutes or so, we will be talking about video games. We'll have some news, we'll have some reviews, we'll have some letters and um, other chat around those things. We do, and actually we should say it's not just us for the show again, for the... 
fourth week running, is it? Fourth? Third or fourth? I, don't, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, we are going to be joined by a super special guest. We'll be recording that section a little bit later, so hopefully the technology will work out and we will drop in mm. super special guest James Parker from Ground Shatter uh, will be with us later on. Brilliant. But first, the news. Okay, Simon, what have you found this week? Uh, well, uh, popping over to Eurogamer just before I turned my PC on, um, mm-hmm. Wesley Yin Paul writes Sage paper says young people told to isolate due to coronavirus should get free gaming. Uh, the Scientific Advisory Group for Emergencies, brackets Sage, paper warns that compliance with COVID-19 restrictions is substantially lower and declining among people aged 18 to 29 compared to older age groups due to a lack of trust in government. To mm. combat this, the paper recommends young people who asked to isolate or stay at home should be given good financial and other support, e.g. free mobile phone data, streaming and gaming. It's interesting, isn't it? So, um, in your uh, research, then, Steve, out in out in the in the field, was it full <laughs> of eighteen to twenty nine year olds refusing to uh, lock down? I did not notice any demographic shift uh, from the people I normally see, uh, which is grumpy Londoners of all ages. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I think that. Um, Generally, the blame seems to have fallen on young people because young people are an easy target because while they're out um, looking happy in pubs, uh, older people are looking miserable stomping around town. So I think no one (laughs) likes to see anyone else looking happy, do they? And uh, university students have been an easy target as well when, I don't know, I'm sceptical that they are the root cause of all of this. Um, I don't think it, uh, it's a bad idea to give people something to occupy their time, though, and, and compel them to stay indoors. Certainly one of the things that I've seen repeated again and again is how lucky we are in the video game industry, uh, because both you and I work in the games industry, as well as doing the show. Um, how lucky we are that the games industry has not been adversely affected by COVID. Oh, totally. I'm slightly embarrassed that um, we've ended up in our jobs when the music stopped and uh, we seem to you know, touch wood uh, to be uh, reasonably well protected from it. You know, certainly from my day job, we've seen a generally, you know, really healthy um, or, or people are, are, are choosing to play our games more than <laughs> more than we've seen them previously. Previously, Back in February, it was insane. Um, mm. See, China went down into lockdown. Uh, first of all, and um, uh, a huge proportion of Chinese players are, are, are on Steam. And um, yeah, we were seeing sales, honestly, that went up to 95% Chinese sales uh, at some point in March. Total sales for people being locked down. So uh, yeah, you know, very, very lucky to be working in the industry, and but also on a, you know, happy to be able to be pro- providing entertainment. You know, that's um, just given me a, a sort of flashback to, I think it was late last year or very, very early this year when one of my friends um, tweeted that her cousins who were in China were uh, currently locked down in a place called Wuhan. 
and um, could people send her some game codes so that uh, she could send them onto on onto them and they'd have something to do while they were at home and and everyone you know rallied around and and provided her cousins yeah. with some games to play and back then all that seemed incredibly distant and now <laughs> the, gov- the government are thinking of providing us all with codes that's right. uh, which is it would be a good opportunity for Stadia to do something, though, wouldn't it? Now, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, if yeah. you like, get it because there are plenty of free-to-play games that, that people could enjoy if they've got the hardware. But if you don't have the hardware and you are being locked down and you do have an internet mm. connection, of course, um, yeah, good way to good way to get people playing playing uh, through their browser. Well, if our friends from Stadia are listening, <laughs> and I know you are. You can have that one for free. Uh, you can have that one for free. <laughs> yeah. I've got a news story. Uh, Go on. A breaking news story. And guess what? It's not from a news site. It's from Take Two Games press release site. Oh. It says. Have um, they done it? Well, not yet, but they have confirmed an announcement made by the board of Codemasters that Take Two have made a proposal to acquire the entire issued share capital of UK game publisher and developer Codemasters at a price of 485 pence. That seems cheap. 485 pence? (laughs) How many shares are there? There can't be many, can there? There's fewer than three or four. I'm in. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so Take Two are looking to buy Codemasters, and Codemasters are going to recommend that uh, the shareholders accept that offer. Wow, so that's a story, isn't it? Uh, Codemasters is a British uh, game developer. They've been going since the early '80s. Started with um, started with the Darlings making games like Dizzy. Oh well, actually, Dizzy was made by the Oliver Twins, wasn't it? But published yeah, by the yeah, Darlings. Yeah, by Codemasters. And um, they uh, they made other successes like Micro Machines, and then slowly they sort of branched. Well, I want to say branched in. To driving games, um, started to specialise in 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 those. Most recently, the Dirt series and Formula One games. Yeah, and they right, acquired they've... Slightly Mad as well, didn't they? With Project Cars. Yeah. And the reason I know all of this uh, in such detail is because last week I rewrote Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters song to be about Codemasters <laughs> by by sitting what on the Wikipedia page. Four hundred and twenty <laughs> to four hundred and sixty-five pence. So, yeah, I'll have to update that now. Um, but big news for Codemasters, big wow. news for uh, the British gaming industry as well. It's interesting, isn't it? So I've seen a lot of people joke about um, how uh, the Take-Two acquisition would mean that uh, the GTA games would have a decent driving model in them now. <laughs> I, I imagine that the reason why they're buying them is broader than that. We actually Take-Two, with its 2K series, is big into sports. Um, there's the NBA games... Does uh, the PGA games? It is. I'm trying. To, sorry, the reason I'm pausing, I can't remember the exact name of the golf. I think it was like two, two K PGA Tour Twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Codemasters having the official F1 license obviously fits that as well. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was surprised during my Marioki research uh, to see just how much. Codemasters really do dominate that kind of, I want to say, arcade simulation space uh, of driving games. Like, that is, uh, you know, the market. It's, it's, so it makes complete sense for someone, uh, for them to be an acquisition target, right? 
uh, and they have all the licenses, right? They have the, I think they have the official rallying license and they have the official Formula One license, that sort of thing. Um, does it mean that the British games industry loses out here? Is, is, is this, do they no longer get to count towards our stats? Is this a threat to us? Uh, that's a good question, is it? Do they stop being British just because they've been bought? Mm, I guess hand, hand in their blue passports and <laughs> <laughs> they probably don't do they they no. probably still count in the UK uh, i.e. game studios yeah. it's just the cash is getting funneled elsewhere ultimately well done shareholders presumably good luck to everybody working there I hope uh, I hope the merger goes well alright have you got any more news stories I do I do um, uh, this is a news story that, that uh, probably could just be the headline it's from Ooh. Eurogamer again. Richard Ledbetter, unusual for Digital Foundry to break news. Normally they're doing all their 4K, 120 frames second mm-hmm. uh, visual clarity tests. Um, but no, uh, during their PS5 appraisal, they've discovered this. And here's the headline. There's no way to move PS5 games off the SSD. Okay. So... Um, both new consoles, Xbox is out next week, PlayStation out the mm-hmm. week after. Both of them have made big deals out of how fast their hard disks are, their SSDs. Um, and both, con- uh, both consoles also have digital-only versions, so you will only be buying your games mm-hmm. via download. Um, and previously, uh, the PS4 and the Xbox have been quite... Um, uh, but it's been quite straightforward to move stuff around so you wouldn't need to re-download it because there's a huge difference between copying over Call of Duty Warzone and it's 100 gigs or what have you to a hard mm. drive rather than deleting it and then spending days downloading it. So um, hold on, the, the reason you do this is to momentarily park your games somewhere else free up while you play space, other yes, exactly. Uh, without, okay. Yeah, so you don't have to re-download the whole 100 gigs again okay. and... Um, you know, I think they I think they all keep the save games anyway, but it's 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 given how how big games are becoming, it's just mm. a, a much a much easier way of doing it. Now, the Xbox allows allows you to move your games off. It won't let you run games from an external SSD. And I think actually it's been quite tight in which SSDs it's approved. I think there is only one at the moment, but you will be able to shift it over to that, archive it there, and then move it back around. And given the speed of these things, the idea is that that shouldn't take so long. But um on the PlayStation 5, so you are able to move PS4 games onto the SSD, okay. uh, the backwards-compatible ones, but for some reason, currently, uh, you're prevented from doing that from PS5. Now, you understand why they're going to be cautious about where the code sits, given that whenever you open up the ability to move stuff around, the, 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 there's always the danger of piracy. But this seems like a, a, a really, really... Um, Strange thing to be doing if you encourage people to move digital and uh, you're, you know, every time a game updates, it's going to need some more hard disk space. So mm. actually making people delete their PS5 games that they downloaded um, is surely, uh, surely a temporary thing. I'm, I'm hoping it will be updated in a firmware, future firmware release. But um, yeah, currently... That said, currently, you can't play PS5 games because it's not out yet. So maybe this point will be addressed <laughs> <laughs> before it's out there. But uh, Richard Ledbetter has been bloody furious about it. So I can tell you, you've done well of well conveying <laughs> that <laughs> anger to me because I still don't really get it, frankly. Like, I, uh, I, I just feel like the management of moving these things all over the place and going, okay, I'll put that one there. So I've got, I don't know, I'd always delete. 
Would you? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I do that already on my PC, which has got about 60 gig free, and I'm constantly, every time I download another big game, I'm... I delete the last one because it's very, very rare that I go back to these things. Yeah, but listen You're to fooling you. yourself, really, aren't you? Well, it, uh, I, I'm not sure. You know, I am. Um, I mean, it's all right for you, isn't it? In in, in your London with your fast <laughs> internet and all of that sort of stuff. But actually, you know, you think globally, mm, internet isn't, isn't as free and easy and isn't as, um, you know, some people. <laughs> I remember when I, I was in Canada. Um, we were in an Airbnb and I bought a, serv- a Microsoft service out there. It was cheap. Mm-hmm. Told the customers people it was second hand when I was bringing it back through. I didn't, actually. I didn't because they didn't ask. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I was really excited about having this portable PC, which I picked up for cheap in Canada. And uh, um, we're staying at an Airbnb and I was downloading all the stuff. And then I got a uh, note from our from our host uh, broadband uh, provider saying that I'd used all his internet up for the month. <laughs> and I felt terrible. I was, <laughs> God, do you live like this in Toronto? But uh, yeah, so sure, I, I agree with you. For us, it's, it doesn't appear to be a massive problem. But you know, I, I, so I've got uh, on my um, on my PC, I've got two external hard drives, one mm. for work and one for uh, play. And and, and yeah, you know, th- there's loads of space on those, but they aren't as fast as the. Um, as the SSDs are in the new consoles, but yeah, but for other people that are just just buying, you know, our next door neighbour bought a PS4. He's really excited. Got a PS4 for his birthday a month ago. PS4, honestly, over him. Couldn't, couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. Couldn't wait. And then honestly, I would see him every day, and I go, "What are you playing?" He's going, "Still downloading." I'm still, I'm still, I'm trying to download Call of Duty. I'm so sorry. And he would say to me, "Is there anything that's quick to download?" And I was, I was like, "I don't know. You could try this." He goes, "How how big is it?" Like I honestly don't know. But you know that 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 is a question that people are asking now. Did you see the um, new twelve minutes of gameplay from Demon Souls? Uh, I saw that it was out. I've got I've got no interest in it. So was it good? Okay. Well, I saw uh, people on the internet, or person on the internet specifically, friend of the show, Simon Carlos, saying um, saying that it's the first time he's been able to notice a generational leap between the PS4 and the PS5, that it was, you know, really, really fancy. I went and took a look because of that. I couldn't really tell. It looked like the same sort of thing to me. Right. I would imagine, wasn't that originally a GameCube mm. game, was it? Certainly, a, certainly a remake, isn't it? You know, yeah, possibly GameCube. Like, you know, uh, that's a several generation change. Yeah, I don't know. I was looking at the um, Spider-Man Miles Morales uh, footage though, uh, and that, yeah, it really does look great. And I'm trying to convince myself that I don't need it because you can get Spider-Man Miles Morales on PS4. But again, Richard Ledbetter put a, a scrolly window up, and you could see the difference in the static visuals and. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I don't think I could get one now, even even if I was, even if I wanted to. Uh, so, talking of Miles Morales, mm. um, Square Enix have indicated via their financials that Marvel's Avengers has not done as well as hoped. Uh, have you played that? I have. What did you think? I was really enjoying it until it turned into one of the one of the games that they have now. Mm. Um, and so early on, you know, it's, it's a Crystal Dynamics game, so it's got incredibly high production values. I don't really care whether Thor in the game looks like 
Thor from the movies. You know, I don't feel mm-hmm. strong enough about Thor at all to be um, concerned about that. But I thought it was a really nice setup, and I was having a lot of fun with it as it was guiding me through the four or five hours it takes you to then get to the hub area from which you can choose a series of golden path missions, i.e. ones that further the plot, or ones that that mm-hmm. will result in you unlocking some some new equipment through boxes and stuff like that. And um, it was at that point, it just suddenly really opened it up. I, I lost... Oh, <sighs> Whenever that happens, I'm always concerned about moving forward because if you're mm. not as powerful as you need to be, um, then you're you're going to run into troubles l- later on. But then e- equally, I, I say, oh. so what you're telling me is that what I'm about to do will have no impact on me getting closer to the end of the game. So I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna stop. So I left it. Now Dexter finished it and he he thoroughly enjoyed it. But it but it also has this because they are trying to do all things to everybody so it's a single player experience because that's a tick box with the you know customizable characters through uh, uh optional uh progression system tick that but then they've also got this this destiny style multiplayer bit where you can all go online and do other types of missions and uh, i'm not gonna do that am I? i'm mm. far too old to be pretending i'm in the avengers with people on the internet um, so yeah i don't know maybe it maybe it suffered i mean it had it had a troubled launch didn't it no one seemed to like the beta and then people did mm. seem to like the single player uh but then all of this promise of extra content because they're selling a season pass as well because that's also what you have to do these days um yeah just i you know even i was confused by it and i own it yeah i have the same feeling a lot of the time when Sometimes I'll take one of these, you know, major releases, AAA release. Often it's a an Ubisoft Assassin's Creed game or something, and I'll play the first hour and I'll be like, this is going to be it. So maybe I play three or four of those games a year, like significantly. And I'll, I, I'll pick one that I'm going to go, okay, this is the one I'm going to sink my time into. So the next one I'm going to do is Yakuza, the new Yakuza. I've already decided I'm in. Because it takes a lot to go through those tutorial sections, right? You, you, you've you got to learn a slightly new control system. You've got to work out the combo system. You've got to understand the mini-map. And then once you're in the world, you're like, cool, this is going to be my brainless enter the world and I'll play it for another 20 hours or something like that, maybe 30, whatever. And you commit to it. But these days, more and more, I, I I decide that. And then, like you say, I get to the hub area and I can almost flash into the future. Just see this thing unfolding via perfectly executed template. Like, so professional, so great. And yet, I am old and I feel like I've seen it all before. And then I stop. And that's it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's it. So... <laughs> So yeah, I completely feel it. Uh, I doubt that it's people and people like me and you responsible for Square's <laughs> I hope financials not. there. But... I hope they're not listening, along with Donald yeah. Trump. Apologies. <laughs> what are they saying now? <laughs> <laughs> and the US customs exactly. agency. Exactly. Uh, uh, any more news? That's it from me. That's it from me too as well. All right. Thanks, Simon. One life left. Video game news with Scamford 
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We are a video game radio show. We've been doing this for 16 years, and during our time on Resonance, we've had some of the best guests in the video game universe. We've had all sorts, haven't we, Simon? You name them, Steve. Uh, as, long as, as long as they're considered the best, then we've had them. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, we have them, I would say, uh, you know, three times, don't we? We have them on the way up, we have them on the way down, and then we have them back for luck. Um, and our next guest, I don't know how many times he's been on the show, so I don't know which part of the One Life Left arc he's in. It's never enough, though, is it? James Parker from Ground Shatter, welcome back. Hello, it's nice to see you. How are you? I'm all right. I think this is my fourth time. I was due to come on just before... The Pando kicked off and then the show was cancelled. What did you call it? The Pando. It's <laughs> a very informal way of... <laughs> it's been a while, I've got to know it. <laughs> how's it going, James? How's, how's the Pando been treating you? It's been all right. It's been uh, obviously unusual. Uh, yeah, we're all remote working and meeting each other over Discord every morning and did you work from home anyway? Because your home office, complete as described before we started recording, with the point, foam pointy hand and can of uh, Danish lager, um, was that there anyway, or was that we, or were you, were you a prepper? Well, I, I think just having a well-equipped home office is quite a useful thing. <laughs> and I, I live, I live in a part of the world where houses are much larger than they are in london so we can afford to have a room dedicated to shelves full of old hard disks and pointy wrestling fingers listen simon this isn't his first pando <laughs> okay, no, evidently not i feel like a total noob i'm a, i'm 20 feet under the ground and in a lead line bunker which is absolutely no use under the current circumstances so last time we saw you had you announced fights in tight spaces no, that's why I was coming on. Were you to announce at the it? start of the year to announce it, and then obviously uh, we wow. had to announce it via lesser events. Um, right. So we we didn't get the one life left exclusive at that stage. That's a shame. I, I have to try and remember where I am in this in the private timeline and the public timeline because the last time I played it was um, at Excel. Was that was that where I sh- I saw it last? You showed me a very early version yes i think that probably is the case uh, and i was i thought it's a fantastic even then so do, do you want to just introduce the concept yeah so fights and tight spaces it's a deck building tactical strategy game where you kind of choreograph action movie style fight sequences and you you play cards and you move around the space and you smash people's faces into stuff. <laughs> I I think you introduced the concept to me as um, the toilet fight scene in the most recent Mission Impossible meets Slay the Spire. Yeah, that's that's very accurate. <laughs> when I first pitched it, I pitched it as Hoplite meets the Jason Statham film. So it's kind of all all of those things are in the mix. Um, so when did you announce it? Uh, back in end of March, because it, it was it was um, there was a playable demo that went into the Steam Festival, wasn't there? Yeah, so we had that. We had we were part of the the Guerrilla Collective GDC event, so that was when it first became kind of visible to the wider world. And then yeah, we were part of the the Steam Spring 
demo event, and then we've just done the Steam Autumn demo event as well. What's the reaction been? It's been really good. I think it's um, uh, it's got a very striking visual style, which really helps kind of get people interested in it from the get-go. And uh, mechanically, I think people kind of, they may not know what it is initially, but as soon as they start to play it, then they they very much get into it. And that's really nice to see people who wouldn't, who wouldn't necessarily play a deck building game because of the theme saying, oh, actually, this is a, this is kind of a, a f- action movie fight sequence, but it's, you just have to play cards to get it to happen. It's quite a nice thing when quite a lot of that genre of games is very kind of fancy or sci-fi or, or kind of those sort of audience. Whereas I, I, my sort of audience is more kind of action oriented. Does it have a narrative? So are you, are you, is it, or is it, or is it a roguelike? How does it, how does it, how does the, how does the game progression yeah, it, work? It has a light narrative. you you play agent 11 and you're part of this British, uh, intelligence agency who are kind of working on the fringes of criminal organizations that don't use modern communication methods. So the way of dealing with them is the old fashioned way of traveling around the world and beating people up. <laughs> Great. Well, um, When's it coming out, James? Well, is this, is, this, is this our exclusive? Well, quite excitingly, um, it's coming out, well, I guess for your live radio listeners tonight um, and, for, and for your podcast listeners yesterday. Um, so it's, it's coming out on Game Preview on Xbox. So it's, yeah. it is essentially available as a launch title for Xbox Series X and S. What? And Thanks to the power of smart delivery, delivery, it's going to be available across the Xbox family of consoles straight away. Oh, I see. I see that your home office also has the official um, Microsoft messaging in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a series of words that I've had to remember quite closely. <laughs> That's brilliant. Uh, so, you, so console launch then? How's that been? Well, it's it's been uh, a exciting and quite quick process. Um, I'm very lucky to have a hugely talented team who've made it possible. I mean, we, uh, Microsoft came to us and said, we like the look of this. We'd like it on game preview. Um, and all of, all of the stuff that that entails. And we were like, well, that sounds great. That's going to kind of fit in with our plans. And then, uh, we got kits, we got it working and then we got it working in time to be a launch title. Launch title. Brilliant. And sorry, did you say it's going into Game Pass as well, or not? Game Preview. Game Preview. Okay, I've I'm, I've I don't have personal experience of Game Preview on Xbox, but I do hear anecdotally that it, that it that it tends to go well. It's a good program to be in, and that um, that you that you can get a, a, a pretty healthy audience. So, how 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 would how different is it going to be approaching a Game Preview title as opposed to? more traditional PC early access where on PC early access you can update builds you know as often as you like whereas on console there are slightly more processes to go through how's how, how are you going to tackle that challenge uh I think it's going it well it's certainly going to be interesting I think the 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 way that the Xbox store kind of funnels its audience I think people who pick up game preview games are, are going to understand what it is and what they're getting from that, which is a good, which is kind of important when you're when you're releasing something that isn't by its nature completely finished yet. Um, and I think having 
I think the, the, those processes that you talk about are getting more flexible. So, especially for for things in game preview, that it feels like we're going to have the opportunity to try stuff out and update things based on user feedback and all of the the kind of traditional benefits of having an early access title. How, how long do you expect it to stay in game preview for? We've not really decided yet. We need to, to some extent, see how people engage with it and see see how big those changes we want to make are. Um, we're also announcing uh, that we're doing Steam Early Access early next year and on Epic Game Store and GOG and, and other services that offer that. Your work on this predates COVID, of course, but it is a bit of a pando game, isn't it? Everyone locked down into small spaces fighting with each other. Yeah, it's slightly uncomfortably pressing. <laughs> so lockdown two is a coincidence or a neat marketing scheme by Ground Shatter? If you're friends with the right people in White you can <laughs> get funding. <laughs> we're, actually, we're officially a PPE supplier now. Uh, we're running close to time here I was just wondering um, have you had much chance to to play around with the Xbox console hands on or any of that stuff yet or Uh, only a little bit but it seems very snazzy very snazzy there you go that's the official word (laughs) so the console launches at midnight tonight if you're listening live I believe and that's when the game goes on sale as well the game will go on sale at one in the morning because we were a bit paranoid about not knowing which midnight you were setting when you set midnight. So just to, just to be absolutely sure, we set it to 1am. But that will, that'll roll out around the world. So um, we're giving time for people to get their midnight launches, get an Uber, get home, get it all installed, and then go on the store. Fights will be there as the most recent game. And right. they'll be able to enjoy it. Brilliant. That's fantastic, James. Well done. Really excited to hear how it goes. But likewise. One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM, you almost certainly just heard a brilliant interview with James Parker. Uh, thanks for that, James. Or see you next week instead. Not clear at well, this point. Well, also, though, he promised us um, in his in his email, he said, uh, are you recording an OLL on Sunday? Do you have space for a guest? So the answer is yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, could it be me, please? I have what may well be an exclusive at the time of email. So thank you for that exclusive that you definitely confirmed, James. Can't be- <laughs> we can't believe it. Um, and if you did So didn't, wait, it, he says at the time of email, right? Which at the time of recording. Oh, is he? At the time of recording. Yeah. So, so, it'll, be, so it'll, be, it'll be out there tomorrow. Right, so he assumes that this isn't going to go out until... 
Oh, Monday I, sorry, evening. At, at time of email, right. So I just wonder whether we can leak uh, an early recording really, really quickly after this. Yeah, too right. 8pm. Yeah, yeah, straight out there. Yeah. Won't do that. All right. Um, is it time for letters? It is time for letters. It's time for letters. Who's written this week? Oh, we've had a couple of letters. letters in. Thank you very much. Robert Wells writes, Hello team, hello SSG. A surprise Dizzy game has been announced for the Switch. It's a port of fast food Dizzy as a demonstration of Fuse 4. But a ZX Spectrum game on a Switch is still not a thing I was expecting to see in 2020. Nostradamus is what's left this year. What have you been saying will happen? But like Cassandra, you are never believed. Pip Pip Roberts. There's only a few weeks left, isn't there? I mean, I'm sure you can flash back to earlier One Life Lefts and you can see outlandish and confident predictions from us that we have forgotten as real-life events. You don't have any emails from friends or relatives abroad, do you, talking about something that's just happening and can you send them game codes now? (laughs) (laughs) That'd be a good way to see the... uh, See the future, wouldn't it? Um, oh no, it's a good question. Uh, I, I hadn't realised that a Dizzy game had been announced for the Switch. Had you? It's a, it's a Codemasters-themed show. I, I hadn't. Clearly, I didn't get that far through the Wikipedia uh, Wikipedia page. This, this isn't the first time they've tried to relaunch Dizzy, is it? No, didn't they? I did a Kickstarter, didn't they? They did, and I think it failed, right? Uh, probably find that out. I guess the biggest surprise of the year for me uh, was um, Mario Battle Royale. We wouldn't have sat here a year ago and even joked about that, would we? Uh, Absolutely. You know, it does sound like the sort of thing that we might have joked (laughs) about when, you know, when in the news story about Tetris Battle Royale, I might have made a pithy comment about it. And who knows, maybe Nintendo took inspiration from that i'm wrong about the dizzy kickstarter go on uh panic dizzy created by chris wilkins uh a new game a new old game by the oliver twins was kickstarted earlier this year something new did you ever play fast food dizzy no no i don't think it was i don't think it was one of the good ones okay it wasn't like an arcade adventure i think it's a different type of dizzy and therefore um, possibly not what Dizzy fans are after. In short, Robert, I don't think we've got an actual answer for you, but weren't we all surprised by Mario 35? <laughs> Dear team and SSG, with all the goodwill and optimism slooshing around in the past 24 hours, it's Sunday afternoon as I write this, the online world has been almost unrecognisable, with Twitter in particular being an unusually positive place. One tweet caught my eye last night pointing to a worthy charity, booktrust.org.uk, that provides books, resources and support to vulnerable children, and it got me thinking about whether there was anything similar for video games. I'm a big fan of special effects and the work they do. I know the OLL and Mario teams are too. Perhaps you and the listeners might have some additional suggestions for games-related charities to give a little boost to as we head into what looks to be another tough time for people across the UK this winter. Your charity commissioning correspondent, Chris Conwell. There was... um, So Yuki does uh, good work in this space. They organised the um, Games for Carers um, back uh, in the summer, uh, which we contributed to. 
Um, we do a lot of stuff with Humble as well, um, who are a pretty good way of getting large charity donations out there. Um, There's Games Aid, isn't there? There is Games Aid. Uh, and War Child is doing a lot of ga- games-related stuff as well. Mm, um, that's right. So there's quite there's quite a few courses. Uh, Child's Play in the US is uh, another big one and i know of course all the uh, awesome games done quick streams and their spin-offs uh, are often raising money for charity um it's another good question chris and oh, we actually did partially answer that one this time <laughs> so well done Oz. exactly but if anybody has got any other ideas feel free to email us team at onelifeleft.com
You're listening to One Life Left on Resonance 104.4 FM. We're also a podcast. You can find the podcast at www.onelifeleft.com. Thanks very much to Bill, our undercaretaker, for uploading the podcast every week and for providing the podcast notes. If you want to know what music track that was, you can find out at those podcast notes. I did just find another UK charity, there's Get Well Gamers, which takes donated video games and consoles to hospitals. So do have a look at their site, getwellgamers.org.uk. Is it time for the reviews, Simon? It, well, it is, Steve. Um, why don't you go first? Oh, Okay. Um, I played two games this week. Uh, one of them I didn't play for very long, but it was one I thought I should mention because it's by, uh, well, it's not by, but it was recommended by a man that I know you're very fond of, um, Tom Francis, Pentadact. Do you know the game I'm talking about? Recommended by Tom? No, I've not seen it. See, I thought that I'd saw, I'd seen uh, you having played it teardown oh well um i have been playing teardown absolutely but i didn't see that tom had explicitly rec- recommended it of course everybody's recommending it it's uh it's done very very well for itself mm, it's it's one of the breakout games uh of uh the last couple of weeks isn't it it's a voxel based heist simulator where you are given a mission and told to complete it in a incredibly destructible environment in any way you want. Now, I've only played the intro mission on this. Uh, actually, I've played a couple of missions. One which told me to tear down a house, so I went over to the location and, and basically lobbed dynamite at it did and you? bulldozed it. I, what did you do? I, sw- I swung the dig around there at it. Right, okay. Nice, nice, And then nice. drove it over some more until it went underneath the height, the maximum height that it needed to be. Yeah, and to be clear, you are basically playing a bad person here because this is a very pretty, uh, you know, mock Tudor, at least, house uh, standing in the way of a shopping mall extension. You've been told to deal with it illegally. So you just <laughs> go down there, bulldoze it before the council can stop you. Uh, and the other mission I did was uh, steal some computers, so I broke into a window and, and then I think I knocked down a bit of a wall, ran across a pipe and nicked another computer. Didn't get further than that because it's not really a joypad game. Indeed, there isn't joypad controls for it yet, uh, and that makes it quite difficult to play for me on my Bluetooth keyboard, uh, squinting at a TV across the other side of the room. But I am looking forward to playing it when I assume a more console-friendly interface is added. 7 out of 10. What did you think, Simon? So, I've played exactly the same amount as you. Um, Have you? Yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed the premise. Um, I don't often get into early access games, um, but I did want to buy that one at launch. Um, Mm -hmm. It's funny, isn't it? You know, often there are games that are surprises on Steam, uh, but Teardown absolutely was not. I first came across it maybe seven months ago um, and I dropped Dennis a note and said hey this looks really interesting I don't suppose you'd fancy uh, be interested in uh, like are you interested in talking to a publisher and he said oh no I'm a a, uh, big fan of what you do um but I think I'm going to do this one on my own. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I had all had all the right people talking about it, didn't it? And, um, yeah. you know, I'd be really interested to know what, what has gone on behind the scenes in terms of, like, the wish list numbers and all of that sort of stuff. Because I, I honestly, I was really concerned 
that they'd, that they'd picked the wrong day to launch. Because uh, I think they lo- they launched the Steam the day before or the day of the Halloween sale. And, and right. like often, you know, if you pick the wrong date on Steam and you don't get, you don't appear where you hope mm-hmm. to be, that, that can be it for you. Uh, but I was really, really pleased to see it do well. It's, it's, it's one of those perfect games that has, that has got a central idea. What yeah. if you could? What if all? If every voxel was destructible, um, and then uh, off they go. So yeah, um, I enjoyed what I played. I'm gonna let them uh, 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 do a few updates, and then and then and then come back to it properly. Same, I think. Uh, again, I just want joypad controls, and then I am in. Uh, I actually saw this week. I can't remember the title of it, but I saw a first-person shooter. I think it's multiplayer only, which has a similar principle. The whole environment is. Uh, is destructible and it took me back to that um, FPS which said that 20 years ago, what was that called? Remember? Was it Red Faction? Right, yeah What? Making It was, up. wasn't it? THQ's That game. can't be 20 years ago, can uh, it? They were like this <laughs> Let's say it's definitely not, I think it is Ish uh, The other game that I played is Superliminal Have you played that? I've not, Steve, no, but, I, but as I was, um, why was I looking at you on Twitter? No, I'll tell you what happened. <laughs> After I got rid of Twitter, I was like, okay, well, uh-huh. how am I going to know what's going on? So you've been banging on about Discord for ages. So I loaded Discord up and went on the Marioki one, and there's you slagging off. Well, not slagging off, I don't want any spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I played Superliminal this week, which I definitely wasn't slagging off on uh, the Marioki Discord. Uh, but I do have an opinion about it, which is uh, Superliminal has an absolutely brilliant conceit at its heart, which is you can uh, pick up objects and then you can drop them again but the size of the object is kind of a trick of perspective. So while it might look like it's uh, far away, actually now it's small and close. Or you can pick it up, small and close, and then move your pointer so it's far away, drop it at the size in the camera that looks the same size and it'll drop huge in that room. It's really hard for me to explain (laughs) on an audio medium. But visually it makes perfect sense. Basically, it's an optical illusion made into a game. Um, and I was really, really excited to to play it. And I completed it, which is, you know, quite unusual for me in, in video games. I think I might have spent about four hours, five hours uh, making my way through it. I only got stuck once uh, on one puzzle. The rest of it was mostly pretty easy for me, and actually the puzzle that I did get stuck on I didn't find very, very satisfying. When I found the solution, I'm sure, you know, we've all experienced this before, but you know those moments when you complete a solution, you complete the puzzle, and you're a bit like, yeah, that wasn't fair. But, um, yeah, I got through to the end, it's got a gentle narrative, and I felt that... I kind of felt that this was a brilliant, brilliant central idea that they failed to find good puzzles to demonstrate, and maybe that's because there actually kind of aren't any. Most of the puzzles come down to find an object and you can make it bigger. And you can make it bigger and then you can climb on it and you can kind of use that to get somewhere else. 
that was that really really felt like the limitation of the clever part of the puzzle there's some other slightly clever things but i i just felt a little bit disappointed by the uh central mechanic um because it didn't feel like it was as fun as i thought it was going to be and as a developer i've been through that process that sometimes you come up with a central mechanic and you're like okay this is going to be amazing and then when you actually squeeze it not as much as you hoped comes out of it so what it's kind of become is less of a puzzle game and more of a uh, what they call walking simulator right it's a, a narrative that you just go through and you complete these gentle puzzles and there's a little story attached i didn't find the story very compelling i thought the game is professionally made and you know really really well delivered and as a gentle puzzle experience the last a few hours I, I was not disappointed but the game that was in my head which was a challenging portal one style experience uh was not there <laughs> uh and that's what i was talking about on the discord seven out of ten <laughs> you summed it up much better than i mean, i was i was only joking um <laughs> so uh, I've been actually you mentioned Simon Carlos earlier I saw his name in yeah. the credits of a game that I've been playing this week uh, I Interesting. bought Descenders when it came out on Switch uh, which is a game right. um, I've, been, I've had my arm for a while um, mm-hmm. for some reason I, I played it on um, PC Game Pass uh, and yeah it, just, it didn't it didn't uh, really grabbed me came out on Switch and I thought okay well if it is uh, you know because I really do like the premise I, I, I like um, bike trick games which is what this is it's an off-road downhill bike uh, game um, in which uh, which is procedurally generated so it's a roguelike um uh, bike game and um, if you imagine trials but from the perspective of behind the bike so it's all 3D I thought if any format is going to keep me uh, interested in this it will be the Switch um, and yeah I'm regretting not getting into it on PC because whilst it's it's fine on Switch it's suffering from a few technical problems particularly if you leave the online on I'm not sure it doesn't explain it very well but I think there are, there are other ghosts and people popping up and all the rest of it but whenever that happens you're racing down mm. and you know it's a reaction-based game, so you need to be on it. Um, uh, but often it will just sort of pause for a couple of frames, and that and that makes it quite difficult. Anyway, the, right. the central premise is good when it's not pausing. It's a lot of fun. Um, I've been really enjoying the roguelike structure and unlocking shortcuts and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but I'll probably pick it up on PC or wait for a patch on Switch. 7 out of 10. It's quite difficult uh, having our guest in. Um, after we've done all this because we've got no idea how much time we've got left but I suspect we're right up against it at the moment aren't we Mm. should we say goodbye then I think so so we should probably call it Simon it's been so lovely talking to you and I assume it was lovely talking to our guest as well (laughs) Uh, we will thank you to all the listeners for listening thank you to everyone at Resonance FM for continuing to support One Life Left and thank you to all of our podcast subscribers please subscribe to the podcast you can find us at www onelifeleft.com or on Spotify or whatever your podcast provider is. Until next week, though, that's the show. Goodbye. Okay, bye. <laughs>